Freebies! It's time for us to talk about a certain Christian musician that has got himself into some hot water. He's done so a handful of times now, but at this point he's being called out for it by his Christian peers in the industry. And today we'll talk about why. In national news, we'll talk about the launch into Biden's impeachment inquiry in the House of Representatives. Will anything actually happen? I don't know. We'll see. Also, in local news, one of our local politicians was on the Dan Bongino radio show. We'll take a listen and discuss. I'm Blake Watson, and this is We the Free. The majority of you are coffee drinkers, and maybe some of you fancy yourselves coffee connoisseurs. Well, whether you're someone who likes to down a quick cup to get a caffeine dose, or you enjoy the art of, cap of crafting an excellent cup of joe, you've got to give my friends at Blackout Coffee a shot. They've got bags of ground or whole bean coffee or single-serve pods. They've got many different blends and flavors and roasts. My personal favorite is Morning Reaper. It's one of their medium roasts. So use my code BLAKE23 for 20% off. That's B-L-A-K-E-2-3 for a discount and level up your morning cup with Blackout Coffee. If you were to line up 10 random people and ask them these three questions, could you tell who the Christians are? Question one, how do you spend your time? Question two, how do you spend your money? And finally, Question three, who do you serve? You could probably ask that one first. But would you be able to tell the Christians apart from the non-Christians? I'll answer that question for you. It would be extremely difficult in our culture because Christians are hardly distinguishable from non-Christians. There isn't much difference in the lives of a person who goes to church on Sunday, and the person who's never been to church any day. We spend our time doing mostly the same things, especially in our free time. We spend our money on mostly the same things. And I'm not talking about essentials, but non-essentials. And so-called Christians are hardly faithful in tithing or in offering. And most Christians, again, so-called, could hardly say they're serving others, and, and most of all, the Lord, above themselves just like a non-believer. Consequently, people of the Christian church are not exactly modeling the behavior of Christ, but that of the world. We talk like the world, we act like the world, we look like the world, we live like the world. In fact, most people who verbally express some sort of allegiance to the Christian faith are conforming themselves to the image of this world, which we'll come back to later. And though there are countless examples of this, let's consider one example in recent news. Lecrae Moore is a 43-year-old rapper who, for years, has wanted nothing to do with the moniker Christian Rapper. His website bio describes one of Lecrae's earlier mixtapes, it's called Church Clothes, as, quote, The first time someone planted their feet simultaneously in the streets and in the church without compromising. Now just remember that quote. Now, I would say that that is 
mostly correct, but that was 11 years ago. My wife and I loved that mixtape, Church Clothes. Uh, we went to see Lecrae live in Atlanta and randomly met him and several of his co-rappers at a New Era hat store there. He was nice and receptive, and, and we had a good time that night at that concert. The first song from that mixtape, Church Clothes, by Lecrae, begins with these lyrics. And again, this is the introduction track. The opening lyrics say, R.I.P. to Medgar, Medgar Evers, R.I.P. to Dr. King. I ain't trying to hate on my own kind, but Al and Jesse don't speak for me. So he gives some recognition to two civil rights activists of old, and then distances himself from two modern civil rights activists, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, which is shocking to hear from a rapper. However, knowing he would receive hate for this song and the album and his association with, with Jesus Christ, he says, I'm probably going to catch some flack, man, but I'm going to swallow this pill like Pac-Man, like swallow this hard truth. Some of these folks won't tell the truth. Too busy trying to get them racks, man. Later, he says, bookstore pimping them hope books like God don't know how broke looks and telling me that I'm going to reap a mill if I sow, these low, if I sow into these low crooks. Now there he's taking a jab at prosperity preachers and televangelists. Then, ironically, in, in rapping about the hypocrisy of the church, Lecrae raps, As long as the church keep wilding out, I can justify all my foolish deeds. Smoking weed, pouring up, keep that lean up in my cup. Maybe I could change the world, but this porn on my laptop got me stuck. Now, we don't have time to analyze Lecrae's entire discography, but this is the Lecrae we were experiencing in 2012. Church Clothes was the album, or mixtape, that really put Lecrae out into the mainstream. But he had been putting out albums since 2004, like Real Talk, After the Music Stops, which was the first album that I heard of his, and then Rebel, and then Rehab. Shortly after the release of Church Clothes, he put out a great album called Gravity in 2012 again, and then Anomaly in 2014. And then everything started to go downhill. Lecrae started to evoke racial tensions in his lyrics, turning his musical gifts into activist weapons more and more as time went on. And fast forward to 2022, and Lecrae releases Church Clothes, Volume 4. Its intro track is a lot different than the 2012 introduction. Lecrae begins the track by rapping, R.I.P. Breonna Taylor, R.I.P. to George Floyd. I ain't trying to hate on my own kind, but Warnock ain't my only choice. And Herschel either, I love believers. Again, we're not going to get deep into all the lyrics, but in the opening lines you can see the vast ideological contrast in just a decade of time. Brianna Taylor was killed in the crossfire when her boyfriend fired at the police. George Floyd died of a fentanyl overdose, but Lecrae 
jumped onto the racially woke train, making him no different than Black Lives Matter. He says, Warnock ain't my only choice. Talking about Raphael Warnock, the extremely liberal pastor in Georgia who was very supportive of killing babies, who was also very supportive of, of President Biden, and who defeated Herschel Walker in the Georgia Senate race last year. Now, there's actually plenty of other examples in Lecrae's recent music, like the song Still in America, but I'll just mention a few more things. Do you remember earlier this year when Chick-fil-A caught some flack for hiring an officer of diversity, equity, and inclusion? Well, that inspired a lot of sort of investigative journalism, which churned out all sorts of garbage on our favorite chicken restaurant, like money to woke causes and the CEO's liberalism. For example, this clip went somewhat viral around that time. This is a clip from uh, Passion City Church in June of 2020, when, as you remember, racial tensions were the highest they've been in, in a long time. And it was during the worst of COVID, so it was live-streamed online. But the first person you'll see is the CEO of Chick-fil-A, Dan Cathy, sharing a short story about white guilt, which is followed by something interesting. Watch. Some of our closing moments here, but a story that was shared with me by a dear friend who shared with me about a revival that was taking place at a church in Texas. And uh, at that revival on the front seat was an older African-American young, uh, older African-American man, man that was sitting there. And this young man got up that uh, was there in that service, and he'd been so gripped with conviction about the racism that was in that local community in a small town in Texas that he, he took a, uh, a shoe brush and he walked over to this elderly gentleman and he knelt on his knees and began to shine his shoes. And uh, tears began to flow uh, in that service. Uh, it was an attitude of, uh, of conviction. So I, I invite folks to just to, to put some words to action here. And if we need to find somebody that needs to have their shoe shine, we need to just go right on over and shine their shoes. And uh, whether they got tennis shoes on or not, maybe they got sandals on, it really doesn't matter. But there, there's a time in which we need to have, you know, some, some personal action here. Maybe we need to give them a hug, too, brother. <laughs> and, some, and, some, and some stock in Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I bought about 1,500 of these, and I gave them all our Chick-fil-A operators and staff a number of years ago. And uh, so any expressions of a contrite heart, of a sense of humility, a sense of shame, a sense of embarrassment, uh, beget with an apologetic heart, I think that... In case you didn't know what Lecrae looks like, that's him getting his shoes cleaned by a white man who feels guilty about his white privilege. Now, to be fair, there were a lot of Christians and Christian churches that month that came out in full support of the BLM movement because, like the majority, they were reacting based on emotion and fear, not reason and logic, and, and they unwittingly sponsored an outright Marxist organization. That's the very small excuse I'm going to give to Passion City and maybe even Dan Cathy but not Lecrae. White people, like 
Louis Giglio and, and Dan Cathy and Stephen Furtick and others all wanted to virtue signal and wear their white guilt like a patch of pride in June 2020. But people like Lecrae benefit from stoking racial animosity, just like politicians and, and just like the two activists he disowned a decade earlier. Now let's fast forward to today. Lecrae has a new product line that sells under the banner Righteous and Ratchet. And there's even a shirt for the ladies with this slogan printed on the front. And for those of you who may be uncultured, Ratchet is, is not referring to a standard tool in the garage. Ratchet is a slang term which Urban Dictionary would define like attitude and sassy, smart-mouthed, uh, temperamental, nasty and mean, childish, uh, rude and crude, obnoxious, unruly and out of control, disrespectful, aggressive, or wanting to fight over nothing. And there's another set of shirts on the site, one for the ladies which says, I can quote Cardi B and Corinthians. And also one for the guys which reads, I can quote Kendrick and Corinthians. Cardi B and Kendrick Lamar are two other hip-hop artists whose lyrics are so profane I, I can't even quote them on the show. They are sexually explicit and vulgar, uh, riddled with endless profanity and violence and drug references and alcoholism and, and to use a slang term, ratchetness. On his last album, Kendrick Lamar frequently depicts himself in a crown of thorns. And you probably remember the name Cardi B because she made probably the most notorious song of all time with another classy lady, Megan Thee Stallion. And I can't even tell you the name of that song because it's so explicit. Obviously, Lecrae is exhibiting a belief system that colludes worldliness and godliness into this impossible mixture. That's why he's perpetrating reverse racism. That's why he's co-signing cultural monsters like Cardi B and George Floyd. That's why he's selling merchandise and music to do the same. The only problem is oil and water do not mix. First Peter 1.14 says, As obedient children do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. In the beginning of this passage, Peter makes it clear that Christians, or genuine children of God, are those that are obedient to Him. Then he gives some clarity as to what obedience looks like in the form of contrasting terms for what Paul would eventually call later on the sons of disobedience, or those that are not truly Christian. He says, Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. And that means that obedience to God means you no longer seek to fulfill the lusts of your flesh, which just comes from spiritual ignorance. This also implies that those who don't belong to the Lord do seek uh, to fulfill the lusts of their flesh because of their ignorance. Now, so far in this single verse, 1 Peter 1.14, 
we're shown a few contrasting examples. A person that is obedient or one that is disobedient. A person who is a son of God or a person who is a son of disobedience. A person who denies their lusts or their desires in obedience to God or a person who satisfies their lusts. And finally, one who is wise and one who is ignorant. Now, for the remainder of this passage in verse 15 and 16, we're shown the most important contrast and distinction of all, holy and unholy. And once again, Peter says, and he's just flowing from his description of obedient children, he says, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, Peter begins verse 15 by explaining the reason for our obedience. Did you catch what it is? We are to be obedient and spiritual and wise children of God because He is holy. Now, the Greek word for holy here is the word hagios, and it truly describes everything that is the complete opposite of worldliness and unrighteousness and sin and evil. The word means different, and its biblical usage is meant to convey set-apartness and, and sacredness. And just as with the proper explanation of defining things like love and joy and peace, hagios, or holy, is perfectly defined by the nature of God because it is who He is. It comes from Him. So holiness is to say godliness. Now, this is further clarified by the context of the passage from 1 Peter. Verse 15 is a demand or a call to holiness, which is accordingly displayed through our behavior, or some translations use the word conduct. That's why the 14th verse speaks of our former lustful ignorance. Prior to giving our lives over to the, the Lordship of Christ, our lives can pretty much be defined as unholy. We were not like Jesus at all. We were sons of disobedience who walked in the flesh, and, and all of our words and actions proved it. But becoming a genuine Christian means that all of our conduct changes to resemble that of Christ. Peter quotes the book of Leviticus in verse 16 when he says, It is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. These are words inscribed directly from the Lord Himself several times in, in the book of, of Leviticus, which is a law book. For example, in, in Leviticus 11.45, God says, For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. Thus, you shall be holy, for I am holy. That's in the middle of laws talking about food. But God would say something similar to this several other times amid other sections of laws, like, do these things because I am holy. The Hebrew word for holy there, compared to the Greek hagios, means the exact same thing. In other words, God is saying, you shall be separate. You shall be apart because I am apart. I am separate. 
you shall be holy and set apart because I am holy and set apart. Well, separate from what? Apart from what? The Apostle Paul would answer that question like this. Do not be conformed to this world. That's Romans 12, 2. In 1 John 2, we're told, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You could say, he's not holy. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Those are the unholy things. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. So the world and worldliness is the antithesis of holiness. It is the opposite of God. Lecrae is being driven by the winds of doctrine, as Paul would eventually talk about in Ephesians 4. And he's so overly determined by his striving for relevancy that he has a foot in both camps because there's only two of them. And it reminds me of something that God will say to the church in Laodicea, which John inscribed in Revelation chapter 3. God will say to that church, which speaks to us today, and hopefully speaks to Lecrae, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So I also wish that Lecrae would either be hot or cold, that he would get off of the proverbial fence because he is an extreme example of hypocrisy, liberal Christianity, and and secularism, even though those are such diametrically opposed terms. In fact, Lecrae is really a microcosm of what the American church suffers from, worldliness. It's why the church is declining in attendance. We're at a 60-year low in America. And why? Why would non-believers want anything to do with something that makes no difference in their lives? The Christians that we present to the culture are just mirror images in practically every way to those who reject Christ outright. Now, some of you may want me to add Oliver Anthony to this conversation because he professes to be a Christian and reads the Bible at his concerts, and then uses profanity in his music, among other things. Uh, But the difference here is that Oliver is a fairly new Christian. He's just starting to figure some of these things out, and I have no idea what sort of spiritual guidance he has in his life. I could also talk about other professed Christian celebrities like Justin Bieber and Carrie Underwood and and plenty of other actors and actresses and professional athletes who exhibit these same exact inconsistencies and split devotions. But Lecrae has professed his Christianity for a long time. Now, there's another Christian rapper who goes by the stage name D1. He publicly confronted Lecrae about these product choices. Here's what he had to say. 
what up, y'all? I wanted to explain my heart behind why I chose to publicly address Lecrae. So we serve the same God, and God's word and God's message does not change. So when I saw that he used his large platform to publicly push and promote and glorify a lifestyle of being righteous and ratchet, I was like, nah. I have a responsibility to use my large public platform to put a message out and let people know that we as believers do not all agree with that and we don't stamp that we don't co-sign that right because the world needs to hear that alternative perspective the tough part is when we communicate it behind the scenes and i'm thinking we come to an agreement and an understanding of like the fact that that could be problematic or misleading for people that two days later he still chose to want to monetize the moment and move forward with dropping shirts that say righteous and ratchet and then a shirt saying i can quote cardi b and corinthians so then it's seeming like you're putting the business before the ministry and we got to be careful about that in life when you're doing ministry and business it should never be business and then ministry and the great commission like calls us as believers to make disciples of all the nations and it's seeming like sometimes people are trying to make customers of all the nations before disciples you know what i'm saying so if things get put out there publicly i'm gonna address them publicly i'm not gonna let that slide but it's no hate coincidentally lecrae removed only the cardi b shirts from that product line but we'll see if he denounces the rest of his wokeness his racism and his worldliness in due time until then let's support people like d1 and even re rebuke people like this gentleman because if there's one thing that god detests it's being lukewarm because he wants you to be holy as he is holy now let's get to the national news feed The most dominant story in national news this week is that of Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, directing the House committees to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. Speaker McCarthy live-streamed his announcement. Here's what he said. House Republicans have uncovered serious and credible allegations into President Biden's conduct. Taken together, these allegations paint a picture of a culture of corruption. Now here's what we know so far. Through our investigations, we have found that President Biden did lie to the American people about his own knowledge of his family's foreign business dealings. Eyewitnesses have testified that the President joined on multiple phone calls and had multiple interactions. Dinners resulted in cars and millions of dollars into his sons and his son's business partners. We know that bank records show that nearly $20 million in payments were directed to the Biden family members and associates through various shell companies. The Treasury Department alone has more than 150 transactions involving the Biden family and other business associates that were flagged as suspicious activity by U.S. banks. Even a trusted FBI informant has alleged a bribe to the Biden family. Biden used his official office to coordinate 
with Hunter Biden's business partners about Hunter's role in Burisma, a Ukrainian energy company. Finally, despite these serious allegations, it appears that the President's family has been offered special treatment by Biden's own administration. Treatment that not otherwise would have received if they were not related to the President. These are allegations of abuse of power, obstruction, and corruption. And they warrant further investigation by the House of Representatives. That's why today I am directing our House committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. This logical next step will give our committees the full power to gather all the facts and answers for the American public. That's exactly what we want to know, the answers. I believe the President would want to answer these questions and allegations as well. This effort will be led by Chairman James Comer at the Committee on Oversight in coordination with Chairman Jim Jordan for Judiciary Committee and Chairman Jason Smith on Ways and Means. Now, I do not make this decision lightly. And regardless of your party or who you voted for, these facts should concern all Americans. The American people deserve to know that the public offices are not for sale and that the federal government is not being used to cover up the actions of a politically associated family. Now, I would encourage the President and his team to fully cooperate with this investigation in the interests of transparency. We are committed to getting the answers for the American public. Nothing more, nothing less. We will go wherever the evidence takes us. Well, this is good news because we have a genuinely credible situation of removing a public official from office. But I must say from the beginning, that conservatives have grown very skeptical over the last several years of, of anything actually getting accomplished as far as justice and fairness in the punishment of these politicians and public office holders that commit crimes and misdeeds yet never face any consequences for their actions. The prior Congress drug President Trump through this process twice over ridiculous claims, but We'll talk more about that in, in a moment. We talked about the legal guidance for impeachments last month when we were discussing the imbalance of justice in our country. Uh, now is the perfect time to revisit some of that. Article 2, Section 4 of the United States Constitution is short and concise on matters of impeachment as it reads, The President, Vice President, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. The part about impeachment for and conviction of refers to the joint process which you are about to witness. The trial conducted in the House of Representatives, that's the impeachment for part, and then the conviction of part is, is the Senate half of it. That's the process that Speaker McCarthy is referring to, during which they will determine uh, to see if President Biden is guilty of any of the four things mentioned as impeachable offenses in the Constitution. Treason, bribery, 
high crimes, or misdemeanors. Treason is somewhat defined within the Constitution itself in Article 3, Section 3, when it says, Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them, the United States, or in adhering to their enemies, giving aid and comfort. The question in regard to this offense is, has President Biden given aid and comfort to our enemies? Well, I guess it depends on who is defining friends and enemies. By all means, the United States needs to have a functional relationship with China, at this point in time at least. But China is by all means an enemy, and, and they don't pretend like they're not, and we don't need to, need to pretend like it either. Um, however, President Biden treats them like they're a friend and like they're not an enemy. And the same could be said about Iran. But clearly from Speaker McCarthy's press conference, this is not the charge that they're going to be pursuing. Bribery is the second impeachable offense listed in the Constitution. We talked about the fact that a bribe is money or favor given or promised in order to influence the judgment or conduct of a person in a position of trust. A more general but Latin phrase that you've heard before would be quid pro quo, which simply means something given or received for something else. The evidence is really piling up on this charge from text messages and testimonies to emails and financial records and, and more. And, and you can tell from Speaker McCarthy's speech that this will be one of the main focal points or charges of the trial and likely what he'll be impeached for. And there's even this video, which I'm sure will be presented as evidence in the trial. Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <coughs> others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a. <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. This is from Biden's time as vice president and when his son Hunter was being investigated for corruption in Ukraine, of all places, by a Ukrainian prosecutor. This is from the horse's mouth that Biden withheld financial aid from the United States to Ukraine in order to shield his son from trouble. Quid pro quo. Now, I'll bet that at some point, the media or even the president's legal team will mention the fact that these things only happened, you know, when Biden was either senator or vice president, but never since the office of the presidency. But that doesn't matter because of the last two listed offenses and that he's currently in office as president. High crimes are basically crimes committed in high office, but 
Misdemeanors is a general term in the constitutional context, which means misbehaviors or misdeeds. Why did the framers use such a general term for such a, a major act? I think it was intentionally general so that people could decide for themselves to remove someone from office they believed was behaving in an unbecoming manner. For example, President Clinton was charged with this same offense of high crimes or misdemeanors for perjury or lying under oath, obstruction of justice, and abuse of power. Obviously, that last one having to do with his infidelity. Now, there are those, there are in those charges uh, both high crimes and misdemeanors. Another thing you need to know about these trials is that this is the legislative branch conducting these matters. It, it has nothing to do with the judicial system, although it seems like that. It, it can seem like it is, but that means there doesn't have to be much credibility to these charges, as was obviously the case with President Trump. The point here is that if Congress wants you out, you're out. Now, Democrats these days are highly loyal to the party. So I doubt you would have many of those breaking party lines or opposing, especially a Democrat president. But here's the party breakdown. This trial will begin in the House of Representatives, which is a thin majority Republican House. There's 222 Republicans and 212 Democrats. If the impeachment passes there and moves over to the Senate, the Senate is majority Democrat just by including the three independent senators, making that division 51 to 49. And then you add Kamala Harris as the president pro tempore. Uh, once the House votes on the matters of impeachment, the Senate trial would begin at which point, who knows what will happen? Who knows if, if he would be convicted of anything? Now, I've been wondering if the Democrats might want rid of Biden as well. Um, but based on Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's response, I'd say not. I think the impeachment inquiry is absurd. The American people want us to do something that will make their lives better, not go off on these chases and uh, witch hunts. The bottom line is, as we've said, you can only accomplish keeping the government open in a bipartisan way. The irony there is unbelievable, but his answer is quite telling, honestly. Now, you can see quite clearly, just from Speaker McCarthy's speech, the general direction of the impeachment inquiry. He says, through our investigations, we have found that President Biden did lie to the American people about his own knowledge of his family's foreign business deals. So there's two things there, the, the misdemeanor of lying to the American public and the offense of bribery. Now, maybe you could stretch it out to include treason, but we'll see about that. He added to that charge, eyewitnesses have testified that the president joined on multiple phone calls and had multiple interactions. Dinners resulted in cars and millions of dollars into his sons and his son's business partners. We know that bank records show that nearly $20 million in payments 
were directed to the Biden family members and associates through various shell companies. That's very important. The Treasury Department alone has more than 150 transactions involving the Biden family and other business associates that were flagged as suspicious activity by U.S. banks. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with doing business overseas, but it's called abuse of power when you leverage your elected, taxpayer-funded position in public office to earn money and favors for yourself and your family. That's both high crimes and misdemeanors. The next one, however, is pretty cut and dry. McCarthy said, Even a trusted FBI informant has alleged a bribe to the Biden family. Biden used his official office to coordinate with Hunter Biden's business partners about Hunter's role with Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company. That's a, an easy accusation of bribery. And then he closed with this accusation. Despite these serious allegations, it appears that the president's family has been offered special treatment by Biden's own administration. Treatment that not otherwise would have been received if they were not related to the president. This is clearly an obstruction charge, which again would fall into the same category of high crimes and misdemeanors. But in closing, McCarthy summarized the potential charges, saying, These are allegations of abuse of power, obstruction, and corruption. The American people deserve to know that the public offices are not for sale and that the federal government is not being used to cover up the actions of a politically associated family. So we will see how this all turns out eventually. For now, let's get to your local news feed. You probably need some roof repairs. If you feel that water dripping every single time it rains or those shingles on your roof are starting to look bad, the sooner you act, the better. So call my friends over at Turner Exteriors for an estimate on your roof today. If you tell them Blake sent you, they'll give you $500 off your new roof. Now I know the guys and gals over at Turner Exteriors. They do fantastic work. You'll love the new life they bring to your home. If you know my personal media story, you know that I'm a Rush baby. I grew up listening to Rush Limbaugh's gargantuan talk show, The King of Radio. Um, I listened to him as a kid in the 90s on car rides home from school, and I was an avid listener all the way through the end of his life. I'm sure that many others like myself were curious to see who would step into the massive shoes that Rush left to fill, and of course, now you know that Dan Bongino would largely assume the role of the midday spot on talk radio stations across the nation. Dan is definitely his own animal. There's, there's nobody like Dan. There's nobody that has a show like Dan. And uh, one thing that differentiates him from most of his fellow talk show hosts is that he rarely has guests on his program. So whenever he does, whenever he makes an exception, it's noteworthy and it's probably for good reason. Now, locally, uh, Dan Bongino airs on News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and one of our local politicians was just invited onto Dan's program for a short segment. Now, keep in mind, this is a massive national audience, so 
it's a little bit strange to have a local politician on a radio program that people all over America can hear. But that's exactly what happened last week, and you'll see why, as Dan invited Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs onto the program to talk about a few things, from which we'll, we'll take a look at a few of these moments. For starters, Dan talks about Glenn's history as Kane, the wrestler from the WWE. If you've never seen uh, Mr. Jacobs, he is a towering man, a, a monster, and, and that's without the cane mask he would wear. Now, I, I like to tell others, my mayor can kick your mayor's tail. But anyways, after that, uh, Dan asks Glenn Jacobs his thoughts on what we're calling the police state, the weaponization of law enforcement and the politicization of the court system that we're observing in our country today. No, when Thomas Jefferson wrote that all people are created equal, he didn't say that they were endowed or he didn't mean that they were all endowed with the same talents and abilities. What he meant was they're all supposed to be equals under the law and, and as seen by the government. And that's not the case anymore. Uh, we have two classes, uh, you know, the, the politically connected and the rest of us, frankly. Uh, and what the folks on the left need to understand is as this continues, at some point, they're going to realize that there are there are two, there are two classes: the rulers and the ruled. And they think that they're going to be in the ruling class. They're not. They're going to be just like the rest of us. That's what's happened around the world. So Mayor Jacobs is saying that if we continue down this road and the liberals continue to support the police state, referring to the weaponization of the various federal departments like the FBI, the DOJ, etc., and these federal judges keep prosecuting former presidents and, and pro-life activists while uh, serious criminals are being let out the back door, we will continue to see our country become a real police state, a, a totalitarian regime, which has happened numerous times in history. It's incredibly tragic and it's very sad because we are becoming a banana republic. I mean, yeah. there's there's just no doubt about it. When, when you can't speak your mind when big tech and the government collude to silence dissenting voices. When you see what's happening, I mean, you know, I'm talking about keeping Donald Trump off of the ballot in certain states. Right. Well, you may not like but what in right. the world? You want to talk about election interference? The weaponization of federal agencies and deciding we're going to prosecute these people, we're going to prosecute Donald Trump. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden's over here. Uh, just ignore what he did. Um, that it, we're we're in a terrible, terrible situation. And you know, if if this continues, we're going to go down the path that so many other great countries have gone down, which is from freedom back to tyranny. We're headed there like a rocket sled on rails at this point. So you hear him describing something like that of a banana republic. That's just describing a country run on despotism or an oppressive, totalitarian, iron-fisted government where anarchy rules the streets and political dissidents are punished. This was the case for a while in the Central American, Latin American countries, but nowadays it still persists in some places there, but also in African countries. Glenn Jacobs says this is the inevitable end of the way things are going in America, and he's right. But Dan talks about getting us back on track and, and how we do that next. You know, as, as, as a um, medium-sized kind of place, maybe not really a small town per se, but small enough, 
you you see it. I mean, the principle of subsidiarity, uh, you see it up close and personal, which is the best management is local management. Because obviously you get to know people by face and by name and their vote. Their votes matter more, too. And that's a good thing. As a mayor, you want to know that you're accountable to your constituents. You see it better than anyone. But if we're going to change this country, you know, Jordan Peterson argues in, in his book, 12 Steps, about how we got to start making our own bed first. And I think the American Renaissance is going to start in places like Knox County, where people just say, you know what, we've had enough. We are citizens of the United States of America. The Constitution matters here. The sheriff abides by it. I'm the mayor. We're going to abide by it. If you want to do something extra constitutional in your liberal city and burn that place to the ground, then you know what? I don't approve of it, but I can't stop it. It's not going to happen here. And I think that's where the renaissance is going to start. And I'll bet a lot of the citizens and your constituents feel the same way. Now, I disagree with the last sentiment that we should just let other states and cities destroy themselves. And I say that because we're the United States of America. Uh, now, you're going to hear Mayor Jacobs talk about what is referred to as federalism. He doesn't use that term, but that's what the Founding Fathers intended. You'll hear him mention the Tenth Amendment, which we'll look at in a moment, but here's Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs talking about this idea of federalism and the American revival happening in smaller places like Knox County. Here in Tennessee, we look out at what's happening in other parts of the country we just shake our heads. We're, we're a great state. Um, I don't generally praise politicians very often, but I think our General Assembly has done a really good job. And frankly, Dan, you know this, that's where the power is supposed to reside. It's not supposed to reside in the federal government. That's an organization with very limited, defined powers. Most of the authorities reside with the state and also with localities by extension. Uh, that's what the Tenth Amendment is all about. And, and I absolutely agree with you. I think actually the single most important thing that folks can do is ensure they have good, th good people in their state legislatures. The Tenth Amendment was one of the initial amendments to the Constitution in 1791, and it says, the power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. All right, so this is the idea of federalism. We are a system of, at this point, 50 states who each have their own systems of government. They can legislate and, and run their states however they wish, unless, of course, they are defying the foremost authority, which is the, the United States Constitution, not the United States government. So. Legally, yes, the Tenth Amendment officially created this independent-ish system, but we are the United States. We are one country, so that means the states do affect each other. They affect each other in the national economy. They affect each other in matters of security and culture and product. They affect each other every election cycle, and the same can be said of this cultural rot we're experiencing. Things happening all the way up in New York and all the way over in California are knocking on our proverbial door here in Tennessee. And in my opinion, it's un-American and it isn't good Christianity to just sit back and allow the cultural rot to happen just because they're not in Tennessee or Knoxville. Now, in, in the Bible, we're described as the body of Christ. If there's a disease in my foot 
eventually it's going to affect the rest of my body. I can't just let it rot and fall off. It's, it's going to infect the rest of me. So the hand can't say, well, that's the foot's problem. No, that's how you wind up in the hospital or worse, in the ground. But Glenn Jacobs is correct in describing the Federalist system the limited power of the national government and the, the importance of the states. And going back to something he said earlier, this is just another check on tyrannical power from the framers and the founders, thank God. Another roadblock to authoritarianism or totalitarianism. But next, uh, Mayor Jacobs is going to talk about the prevention of liberalism as people leave their blue states to come to places like Tennessee. You know, we're going to have to build a firewall uh, around our states to essentially keep some of the foolishness out. One of the things yeah. that we've seen here is, is there's a lot of folks moving here from the blue states. And, of course, folks here get nervous because they think they're liberals coming in to take things over. The folks that I talk to, they're political refugees. They are fleeing the yes. blue states and coming to some place that where people think like them. And I think that what we're going to see across the country is we're going to see an even further bifurcation of red and blue America. And the red's going to get redder and the blue's going to get bluer. And I'm with you. It's like, man, you guys do what you want over there. But leave us right, alone right. here. <laughs> leave okay? us and alone. let the people decide which is the best. I guarantee you we'll win when that happens. Now, that sounds like some great news. And, and Glenn sounds like he's on to something there. So it's good to hear that the people coming from coming here from blue states are like-minded or more so like-minded people who are fleeing these liberal policies, you know, these policies on economics and crime and taxes and safety, etc. So Mayor Jacobs is saying that the more this happens, the more people leave these blue areas to come to red areas, the closer conservatism is to victory, meaning defeating liberalism. Now, I wish it didn't have to be that way, but it looks like there's not much else that can be done but to see these places utterly devolve into nothingness, these places that were once wonderful places. However, you've heard it said that politics is, is downstream from culture. In other words, the things that happen in government and, and in politics happen because culture happens first. That is the arena in which Christians are called to make things happen. This is where we should be the salt and light of the earth. This is where evangelism and discipleship should be happening. Because Jesus can transform the culture. The Thessalonians, before, before the letter to the Thessalonians was written, the people in uh, Thessalonica referred to Paul and Silas as these that have turned the world upside down. We can, through the power of Jesus Christ and the help of His Holy Spirit, turn this culture upside down, just as Paul and Silas and the other apostles had done in the first century church. These places that have devolved into madness, they can't be fixed by administration of policy, but they can be by the administration of the gospel. Now, it seems like Glenn Jacobs is headed towards higher office here in Tennessee. Dan Bongino sort of said as much in, in the interview 
So keep your eye on Glenn Jacobs for the next gubernatorial race in succession of Bill Lee. Until then, he's our Knox County Mayor, and we'll keep supporting his fight for civil, civil liberties. Well, that's going to do it for me. What'll it be next time? We will see. For now, go and be that salt and light you were meant to be, and we will see you next time on We the Free.